0: Welcome to the Enlightenment Moment. In this podcast, we will discuss all matters and channels of personal development. Our goal in life is to increase our level of awareness and continuously raise our consciousness to obtain self-mastery. Okay, welcome back to this episode of the Enlightenment Moment. As I talked about before uh, on the previous episode on toxic relationships, um, I said that I would possibly do a part two of the toxic relationships. And this is the part two of the toxic relationships uh, episode. And I'm happy and honored to have two guests on today. So I'm going to let them introduce themselves and then we're going to jump right into the topic.
1: Hi, I'm Samantha.
0: And I'm Jason. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so Samantha was uh, on the Toxic Relationships Part 1, and um, we were fortunate enough to get her partner on, Jason, who also unfortunately has uh, experience in toxic relationships. So we're just going to get a little background information on Jason. Uh, We talked to Samantha before, so uh, we're going to the audience get a little acquainted with, with Jason and his backstory.
2: Okay. Oh, I'm not that exciting. I'll give you that caveat. I'm um, just kidding. Um, so yeah, fire away. What would you like to know, sir?
0: Um, so, I mean, obviously because you're on the show, you've been in a toxic relationship before, right? I did choose one. Yeah. I've chosen
2: several, but I did choose uh, one primary one. Yes.
0: You notice I use the wording
2: choose.
0: Right, right. So you chose it. Um, so how long did you choose to be in that, that toxic relationship? Um,
2: from 2010 till 2000 and let's say 16, 2017. So about seven years.
0: Oh, so seven years. So in the beginning of that relationship, did you know, what well, was that relationship, your first toxic relationship that you've been in?
2: No, uh, it was not, it was the most, it was the, my best training. She was my greatest teacher as far as, You know what what work i had to do to move on from that but i had been in others you know when i was younger um but that was primarily was the one that was the most uh painful for me
1: what did she tell you in the beginning to make you know that
2: oh (laughs) well aaron you'll love this this is verbatim um it started on would have been july 30th i think of 2010 which would have been a friday to answer Sam's question, um, she literally told me that, "Well, i you're a you're you're a saint and I'm the devil, so, I, I'm evil." It was you're you're a saint and I'm evil. That was what she. That was one of our first com- uh, conversations after kind of getting to know each he other. He
0: said, "Sign me up." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, so in that aspect, I mean, I know some people say it jokingly. um, If you're like a good guy or if the girl is a good girl, you know, some guys say, you know, I have some bad tendencies or I'm like the devil. I'm going to make you do bad things. Um, Yeah. Did you take that like jokingly when, when she said it?
2: You know. Reflecting back, it looks like she was factually accurate. (laughs) I think that she was legitly, you know, she was being sincere with a little bit of tongue in cheek. But um, again, within that span of seven years, uh, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Especially towards the end. Right. So, I mean, I think that is good because like I, I told Sam before when she was on the show, not a lot of men talk about the toxic relationships that they've been in um i've been in toxic relationships and i as i said before i've been the one that has been a toxic person in a relationship as well as receiving uh toxicity in the relationship so how did you like because you said it was seven years so the toxic relationship that i've been in was over seven years it was probably like 12 years um Mm -hmm. but it was kind of a back and forth back and forth type of situation Um, Was this like a one-sided toxic relationship where you were just enduring all of the toxicity? That's an excellent question.
2: Um, I'm going to say it was about 90, 10, 95, 10. Yeah, 90% 90 on uh, her end, if not 95. And I could be being, I might be being a little bit nice about it. (laughs) <laughs> from the get-go it was extremely toxic and all the all the indicators were there and the severity of them got you know as time went on progressed um but yeah primarily you know what i brought to the situation was just you know as you're working through life um you know self self you know evolving with you know self-confidence self-assurance uh, you know living centered in a very turbulent world kind of stuff so there's a lot of I was working on my, you know, probably self-confidence, you know, um, obviously because I attracted that into my life, there were things I had to do. Um, But, you know, from the beginning, there was indications near immediately that this was something that someone who had been a little bit more um, evolved and more aware, self-aware, would definitely not have
0: uh, brought into their space, period. Right. So you say it was like a lot of triggers or like red flags, but how, besides her actually telling you that she was a toxic individual, what? how did you know that you were in a toxic relationship?
2: Another great question. Well, this particular person had a lot of rage issues, severe rage issues and very impatient and very, you know, uh, was a bartender at the time. So it was a toxic environment and drank a lot. Um, so you know there was tempers and you know raising the voices yelling screaming that went went on you know not almost within probably less than a month after you know us even being together um right off the bat but you know whenever we're ready i'll tell you the reason why apparently that she had a lot of these issues and had to do with trauma obviously all this is trauma related all of it and none of us can get you know can um None of us can uh, evade that kind of situation because trauma does happen to all of us, no matter whether we're at a place of you know goodness or we're kind of lost, losing our way, and we're you know calibrating much lower as far as our you know our awareness and our lifestyle. We all we all experience trauma. The trauma was based heavily on why I think what happened with her was happening.
0: So right. So uh, not to cut you off, I I definitely agree about the trauma. Um, Being a psychology major when I was in college, they talk about uh, even reading some books now, like um, Eastern Body, Western Mind is one of the books that I read. And they talk about how trauma starts when you're in the womb. So it doesn't even necessarily have to be when you're outside of the womb. Um, Absolutely. Or like when you're young or going through relationships, it happens because of the person that's carrying you in the environment that they're in that experience trauma. Um, and sometimes when we're not as self-developed uh, with self-awareness, we can't work through those traumas and we kind of carry those into our relationships and our friendships. Absolutely. And, yeah. And, and our environment. Yes, so, go ahead.
2: No, I was agreeing. I don't, and I don't believe in interruptions. So we're good. I just, we just flow, flow, you know, flow through it all.
0: Right, right. I I appreciate you. Yeah, so definitely uh, a lot of people that experience trauma and then if they keep themselves in that type of environment, like you said, she was uh, a bartender, I believe, and just being in that environment is a toxic environment in and of itself. And some people don't know how to keep their work situation at work and their home situation at home, and they kind of bleed those situations together and it kind of creates a whole level of toxicity in itself Um, so one question that um i mean how would you define besides because she seems uh a little more blatant toxic than normal people and toxic relationships but how would you because you've been in different levels of toxic relationships i would have to make the assumption um how would you define a toxic relationship Excellent question. The best I can give you a toxic
2: relationship is I live. I have a. I measure things based upon what I call pain or peace. So we're all we're all we're always either contributing to one or the other within our twenty four hours, pain or peace, in everything we do and in every interaction. So um, I think you know that in itself is that's the point, you know, um, if we're going around and, you know, uh, being aggressive and deceptive and all the, you know, putting on this facade of a sinner person is because, you know, we are operating from a, from a standpoint of being toxic. And with this situation, there was no room for much else. So, um, and what, what was your question? So you I, I want to make sure. That okay. Thank you. Um, well, it's, it's, you know, when you're in someone else's space and their, their behavior is causing you internal harm or hurt and your, your heart hurts, your soul can hurt it can ache. Um, and I think we know we've been through that. Hopefully that'll answer it. You'll know, because when you're in someone's space and you feel when, when they leave your space, if you feel lighter and you move, you feel more at ease and more at peace and more, inspired um, that is obviously the opposite of toxic but when you someone when you're in a situation where there is toxic behavior you you feel depleted it depletes
0: you right so you know like I guess in today's day and age a lot of people say like walking on eggshells like when they get around a certain person oh, yeah. they have to walk yes, on sir. eggshells they got to watch what they say they can't look directly at them they can't be too friendly around other people things like that it's like walking on eggshells like if me me you and sam are talking and like we're laughing and joking and then like my partner comes in the room and i get real quiet and you know i stop there you go contact it's like Oh, like what happened to Aaron? Like what, what's going on? Yeah. It's like, no, oh, no, this is yeah. way I always am. And it's like, no, we just were laughing and joking. And then that's that's like a red flag on the outside for people to realize that you're in a toxic relationship because sometimes a lot of people don't even realize that they're in toxic relationships. They are yeah, uh, on the outside explaining to them how they changed and, and how uh, they can see the red flags. But when you're in it, you can't necessarily see what's going on.
2: I would add that we work, we see what's going on, but it's, it's, there's a, it's a sense of imprisonment. The best I can describe you, you're, you're in prison and you're, when you're fighting to try to escape it, um, to, you know, get to the real main issue. It's, there's two whys, you know, I, I call them bookends, that all of us, there's that choice of the why we choose to get into whatever it is. And then when the why is so strong enough, we choose to bow out and we, we leave that situation. We always have those two bookends in every, every interaction, you know, every situation and in, in relationships. If, you know, for you and myself, having been in, you know, a longer term situations of toxicity, our eyes were not strong enough because had they been, we would not allowed them to, you know, progress past, you know, year one, year two, year five, year six. So we weren't prepared. We weren't prepared. We weren't ready to to uh, to leave that. Even though we were like, we've got to, you know, we've got to get out of this. This is not healthy. This is horrible for, you know, for my soul. You know, um, but why am I not, why have I not chosen to leave it yet, you know? I'll
1: add this, you know, it's, he mentioned how we know that we're in it and it becomes a trap or a prison kind of feeling, but in the beginning of my situation, I didn't know that I was in it. It took at least two, two and a half years for me to accept that something, this isn't really how relationships operate that my needs are being put like they're not even registering on a radar (laughs) like everything was always about them so it wasn't until later on that i started realizing that okay now i feel trapped what do i need to do to the steps i need to take to get out because leaving right this second doesn't really feel like an option so
0: Right, so.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, Sam went through something different than my, my, you know, my situation, and maybe possibly yours as well. But
1: yeah, the one that I was, it wasn't so blatantly obvious that it was toxic until it started getting kind of uh, uh, just I don't know how to say, I guess explosive. It, it was more. Um, manipulative kind of like a, I'll be your friend and then backstab you tomorrow and that kind of thing. And then, Oh, I'll make up for it and then do it again. You know? So it was, it was, and it was more long-term like being nice and then, okay, now I'm going to like, you know, I don't, I don't have a specific example right now, but it was one that I remember one time I was like, how long have you been planning this? You know, (laughs) like, Mm -hmm. well, one would be, okay. I can think of one, um, lying about his age, for over a year and a half um I thought he was third in his early 30s he ended up being like 12 years older which <laughs> oh, I know I, that's my fault I mean <laughs> how do you not realize that I don't really see age in the first place I plead the fifth but um he was really athletic so he kind of hid behind that and lived kind of like a boyish life so it, it just fit so you wouldn't really even know and then one time I found his license and I did the math and I was like I keep getting that you're such and such. Does that add up? Like he was like forty-five, and I thought he was thirty-three. I think. (laughs) Right. Yeah.
0: Right. I mean, age age doesn't matter as long as you're legal, and and obviously he is legal or vice versa. But I mean, like to lie about your age is it
1: opened up the like how much stuff other stuff can you lie about if you can lie about that for over a year? (laughs) Like, I mean, obviously age doesn't matter, but I mean, it's like Very very
2: funny
1: it's okay i'm a teeny. a teeny i don't know where that came from but it goes both ways you're not
2: your yeah she's approaching 30.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> i don't think you're supposed to say those things oops i have oops. exactly a month left right Of 29
2: 29
0: and i
1: hear people say 29 and holding so i'm holding on to something
0: yeah <laughs> I mean, yeah well my partner is 29 as well so there you go See? Yeah. <laughs> so it's all good um so that kind of bleeds into the next question that I had for, um, even both of you guys can answer this question, but what helped you get out of the toxic relationship? Because again, mm. uh, <laughs> you, were in it for, you said you were in it for about seven years. So what, yes, sir. you actually exiting that, that toxic relationship.
2: I, I love the question. It's very, it's very empowered and, uh, very empowering. Everything is, ba- we're, you know, it's moments, so to be factually accurate, you know, I, I remember the very precise moments when my, my inner being was was ready and prepared to exit with um, extreme uh, persistence and speed. I, I moved like lightning to relieve really, to, you know, to leave the situation because... You know, I caught her cheating, you know, she had cheated on me and I, and I had. I, and there was the last month leading up to it, when you can go back and reflect, you know, that's when you can really g- gather a lot of wisdom. A month prior, you know, her behavior was different, were cocky and just kind of full of herself. And she had a business which I had initially and I grown and helped her grow it. she was making pretty good money but her, her demeanor, her attitude, everything changed a month prior and then when you know there was two incidences where I caught her and the last one where I had all the evidence what she tried to get rid of but it was too late it was wonderful i was you know i remember going uh, going into my bedroom into my closet and 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 you know prior to that the fear was so overwhelming to leave that i just would make an excuse oh we'll work on this you know it'll get better she said well I'll work on it which it never did obviously after all those years but the point is that in those those empowering moments going to my closet you know taking my clothes off the clothes off the hangers and and removing all my clothing from that bedroom the feeling that I got was kind of beyond you know description other than I was I was liberating myself from that severe pain that I had created. And it was because my why was so strong because of the evidence. And the pain was so, you know, when you catch someone doing that, the pain is so overwhelming and unbearable, it propels you when you're disciplined and when you're spiritually and emotionally disciplined, which I finally was after seven years, because I was slow, I had what it took. Yeah, I mean, it's my fault. I, you know, I chose it, but it was, it was beautiful because, you know, I knew that I was going to, I was going to be gone. I was going to be leaving for good. And I did. And it was a matter of that book and my why was so strong that finally, you know, and I even thanked her for giving me, giving me what I needed, what, what was much needed for me to leave for good and forever from that. And it didn't take very long for me to do so after, you know, the pain, the pain overwhelmed any rational, You know justifications that you have well you know today tomorrow's a new day and well you know i love this person all those facades that we all fall into the traps of love that's all that was it seven years you know six years later whatever it was until the divorce when i really literally was prepared to leave for good and it was a it was the most wonderful thing aaron that i had experienced it was the most liberating thing and the amount of peace that was almost immediately coming, it was a lot of pain, obviously, but the amount of peace that was just pouring into my soul was, it was a gift that, that, that I was given because I finally did the work on myself, again, to dissolve out of that situation. So there you go.
1: I have something to add.
2: Okay.
1: <laughs> One of the quotes that, and I don't know who said it. But as he was speaking, I jotted it down. One of the quotes that just resonated with me so much during my transition of getting out or thinking about getting out was the pain of staying is greater than leaving. So if you're in every time I think about that, I think of uh, like holding on to like a thorny vine, you're holding on to it as hard as you can. And all it's doing is just puncturing your hand when if you just let go, you're free.
0: Right.
2: Yes, it's a wonderful analogy. Very true. It's true when you, you know, we can all count, you can too, I would imagine, you know, wanting to and trying and actually leaving, you know, I'm leaving, it's over, I'm breaking up with you and then going back. And then as it went on and on, that fear that you, you know, that, you know, this is the final one, you know, after the final rage situation, that's it, I'm done. But why am I still going back for more?
1: There's that situation has nothing more to offer me, but yet I keep going. And you you find out you're doing it more for them because you believe that they can change and that you can help them change. Exactly. When in reality, they're not interested. They like, you know, having five or six partners, you know, including you, (laughs) like, you know, like that's their (laughs) not in your situation, but that's their rhythm. That's what they're used to.
2: (laughs) So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's peculiar, why would why would we choose to stay in a situation like that? That's so just
0: horrible, it just, it just sucks the life out of you. Why? Right, I think in, in the last show, like I, I talked about my, my will, like I don't like to give up. So I, I tried to exhaust each and every possibility to make sure that I, I gave 110% before I exit or give up on something. Um, and also, if, if you've been through a lot of trauma or any, anything that you had to endure in life and you overcame it, then that kind of becomes your identity, the, being able to endure tough situations. So when you're in situations such as a toxic relationship, having the will to, to keep fighting and also knowing that you can endure a lot will make you stay in situations that you understand um intellectually that it doesn't make sense even emotionally it doesn't make sense but you just keep on trying and and keep pushing forward um and like you said holding on to that that thorn and it's like it's not helping you at all but it's like if I just hold on to it a little bit longer maybe my I'll get some colitis to break those thorns off and 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 be able to hold on to that that rose but it never happens no
1: no the wound keeps keeps getting deeper and deeper and then you that's like we talked previous bring all of that into another relationship because those wounds, you know, you thought they were calloused over, but they're really not. They're just waiting for someone to peel them back.
0: Right. So, I mean, I, I just feel like that y'all can see my notes from there because I'll just keep leading into like the next question.
1: <laughs>
0: Sorry, buddy. <laughs> no, I, that just mean that we're connected. We're, we're flowing. We're, we're I like the same to save time. Back. Yeah. I like to save time. <laughs> so, um, with both of you having exited um, toxic relationships, how do you guys help each other uh, in the current relationship that you guys are in to build uh, into a healthy relationship? And also what would you classify as a healthy relationship? But the first question is, what do you guys do to help each other in, in this relationship coming out of toxic relationships?
1: We hold each other accountable and it's the biggest pain in life.
0: It is. (laughs)
1: like he's like i want to tread lightly here no
2: (laughs) no i literally was going to say the same thing so
1: well and it's difficult because like i he he is so much more patient than i am like i'm the one that i i'm patient it's because i am on purpose thinking only about being patient (laughs) there's nothing else i'm thinking about except being patient so um he'll he'll tell me you know And you know, sometimes he's right. And other times he's not right. Sometimes it just, I was really annoyed about a situation, you know? Um, But he'll say like, well, I'm pretty sure that that's coming. I'm, I'm not someone from your past. And I'm like, I'm not saying you are, this is a problem right now. Or sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, okay. I get it. You know, let me go. And the way I deal with issues is I'll, I'll hear what he has to say, but if it's, if it cuts enough, because it registers for real, I'll take some minutes for myself and I'll leave the room and just really contemplate, you know, okay, why did that one word or one action or whatever bother me so much? Um, as for him, I think I'm a little bit tougher on him because I'm not as compassionate as he is. Um, man, I make myself out. This <laughs> <guy too>. No, <laughs> I'm not. Compassionate. No, I'm just I guess it's more of like people that I know, like if I, if I know that you can be doing better then I start, you know, that stuff kind of gets pushed aside. Cause I'm like, wake up. Like, why are you being this way? Like, so that's where my compassion, I'm more like the coach that's like cheering you on, like, wake up, get, get with it. What's going on with you, you know? And really he's struggling and I need to be more compassionate. We just had that like talk two weeks we did. ago. Uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I won't I'll just say I don't I'm extremely
0: hello. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Hey, I'm in an interview right now, so I'll call you back. Oh okay. All right.
2: I'll say this, Aaron. I'm extremely ignorant when it comes to relationships. And that's sincerely, I'm I'm very ignorant. Um but which I'm cool with that because you know, I, I I created a lot of pain in my life through four choices of people I brought into my space. So I what Sam said is pretty much spot on with her, how we reciprocate kind of, you know, teacher-student kind of stuff. It's not always smooth sailing because the emotional attachment you have to the person you spend the most time with. And it's, it can be very frustrating for me because it's like that, you know, I'm talking to a younger version of myself.
1: <laughs> I hear that a lot.
2: And I and through my own personal studies and training, you know, myself cultivation and training.
1: <laughs> I just remember she
2: has she has a lot of ammunition, which she can throw at me now. He
1: said I'm not I'm gonna stop arguing with you because it's like arguing with a younger version of myself. It is a like, good. Let's stop arguing it with It
2: drives me nuts because it's that's something I said to her. And then I guess anyway. So <laughs> I, I like what she. I think what she said was the most accurate. You know, we hold each other accountable. My weakness is I'm not always as um, gentle about it. I can be very, you know, like a samurai sword, cutting my way through all the excessive to get right to, to pinpoint the issue. And that's something I have to work on. Um, but yeah, we we. We hold each other accountable. And we don't we don't hold back on that because if we don't, then we're never going to progress or grow individually, which, and is,
1: yeah, and which is
2: more important than together, because, yeah. you know, we're always alone, even together.
1: Yeah. And that's what we say. We're independently together. Which
2: Interdependent. So
1: some-
2: we're two egos, Eagles flying solo together. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. And the part one we discuss. um how to know, like, if you are in a healthy relationship afterward, I think that's kind of a perfect example um, verbatim of how to know whether you're healthy or not because you're interested in seeing the other person grow. And
0: mm-hmm. a lot of
1: times, if it's one sided, they're not really interested in any part of you other than what you can give them, let alone seeing you soar. So,
2: yeah, yep, exactly. Amen to that. Yeah, the thing I learned about Sam is you know, there's different types of love, and I don't want to get off topic here. Um, they're all different. Um, you know, Sam taught me a lot about learning to, um, freedom. She taught me, you know, how, how important freedom is allow, Look, allow the other person to be themselves, do their own thing. And I'm big for non-interference, uh, very much so. And she works, if she, if she does something that causes pain, you know, it may not be traumatic, but whatever she ends up, she'll process it and she'll work through it and she ends up becoming, she's better off. I don't really interfere as much as I, you know, unless she asks me, I let her allow her to be. And so again, you know, freedom, that's an enormous difference, between you know, um, freedom being with somebody over being imp- imprisoned by choice with somebody who is, you know, creating not too much other than conflict and ter- turbulence and turmoil all the time. There's no freedom in that.
1: And that's yeah. so true, because like we had discussed previous, um, I think I just forgot what I was going to say. It's OK. Uh, yeah. Back to you, Aaron.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so freedom, freedom for me actually shows that you trust the person enough to allow them to be them, be themselves. And you're not trying to make them into who you want them or uh, might even need them to be because if somebody really yeah. loves you they'll see what what you need from them and they will give that to you willingly uh, and letting them express themselves freely uh, is something that going into this relationship that I really wanted to do because one of my toxic traits that I had and I knew that I had and I would tell people is I'm very controlling and I was very controlling because. controlling I didn't like to be hurt. So if I felt like that, I controlled every situation, then it will minimize me being hurt. But that takes away people's freedom to be who they want to be. And then that makes them walk on eggshells because they don't know if it's acceptable to be this person or do this thing because I'm the controlling one. But great point.
1: Good for you, because, you know, we talk and this is what I was going to say. We talked about me being very independent and people just, you know, taking Taking their own road. If I was going to be with someone, they would have to let me be free because I don't do that controlling stuff. And kudos to you for realizing the, why you were and dream being able to fix it. Because that's all I ever seen in relationships growing up where men being controlling over the woman. And I was like, no, that's not going to happen. Like we talked about, like keeping from their family members and you can, why are you leaving and how long have you been gone and you know like you said you're gonna be back in an hour well sorry the line line at the checkout was super long you know or calling and saying are you really with so-and-so because I think that you're really doing this like good grief give me a freaking break like <laughs> and really that's their own insecurities like just trust that I love you I'm doing what I'm saying I'm doing and anyway
0: yeah, so insecurities and, and confidence, um, like uh, he said, he's building this confidence. And, uh, and I, I guess men are supposed to, quote unquote, have confidence. Um, that's an attractive trait that uh, m- women are drawn to. So some toxic men have false, false confidence and they display that through the aggression and through controlling or trying to control each and every situation. Ego, ego, oh, yeah. yes. working, working straight out of your ego and, and uh, enforcing that on other people, especially your partners, the people that are closest to you are the people that you really use your ego on. Um, because on the outside, looking in, well, I can say for myself, I can see when a man or a woman is working out of their ego, as opposed to that being their true, authentic self. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: wow that's like a superhero trait being able to see through that
0: well it's very it's very
2: it's a very important one probably one of the most yeah i have a thing
1: with not people that aren't genuine i i don't have time for that and it's the first inclination that i get that someone's not genuine i'm out of there she's she's tough
0: (laughs) i I said before life experience helps you uh and later on in life so the things that you experience in life I, I feel like set you up to help people later on in life. Um, and I, I agree. Totally agreed. Right. And, and because I've acknowledged that I was one of the toxic ones in some of my relationships, I know the characteristics of toxic people and the way they can manipulate people. Like I said, I've never been physically toxic. Like I will never put my hands on a woman. Um, but yeah. mentally uh, and, you know, just making them feel like that they're whole thought process is wrong. And the things that they, the way they view things in their perspective is is crazy. Um, that was the type of toxic person that I was in relationships. So when other people try to do it, it's easy for me to detect because I used to do it. Yeah.
1: You know all the tricks of the trade.
0: Right. Um, kind of like when if, if you have kids and they lie to you or try to do something sneaky and it's like, I, I did that when I was 10 years old. So I just go to your room. <laughs> <yeah. laughs> you asked me a question. I already know the answer, but we are just going to go through this whole scenario. Um, yeah. But do you feel like, well, you guys kind of touched on it, but do you feel like it's things from old relationships that are triggers now? And not necessarily in your current relationship, but just in general, because um, I know it's triggers that happen to me that don't necessarily come from my partner, but just from individuals that are around me or may not even be directly encountering me, but in my, Mm -hmm. my energy space, that would be a trigger. Go ahead.
1: Oh yeah. That's the whole one and done thing. You know, um, I, I can even see it just at the grocery store, watching someone check out and see how they are treating everything. Instantly, all I can think about is karma. Like if you're going to be, <laughs> whether people believe in karma or not, whatever. It's how I feel better about myself when I see someone being rude to someone else. I'm like, man, you don't have to act that way. Like you didn't have to have that tone with her when you told her to have a nice day. You know, you could be genuine about it. You know, you're you're working here. So, I mean, it's just, anybody that's in that immediate space that I feel like in my, here's one thing that i found and kind of why I started the route of business that I have. I'll have friends that are in these toxic relationships and they just keep on going back. And I'm telling them, you know, gu- or trying to guide them and say, you know, I've seen this and this is going to happen whenever, well, he's being really good right now. We're on good terms. Okay. But in two weeks, see how long this lasts because he's telling you everything you want to hear so you'll stay and as soon as he thinks that everything's good again all of it's going to come right back so i'm hoping to reach people on a bigger scale so i'm not so personally involved with these folks that i actually love and care about that i'm watching them be held back time and time again because they won't break free so
2: well put um it's a great question, Aaron. It's it really you have is. it
1: with friends that you've
2: I seen. I would I would respond. I'm a thinker, so um, yes, the answer is yes. I have triggers. They're not so much. I can pinpoint Sam's from not necessarily because not just of, me. What? Well, well, I wasn't finished. <laughs> <laughs> I can pinpoint Sam's because she's my best friend, and you know we're in each other's space, where something might have from prior and work and so you know I can and you know friends family I can pinpoint stuff at work I can pinpoint things I like to uh, contrast Uh, contrast is essential to growth and to be to learning to become more zen like and more objective in reality so in other words you know triggers my triggers I I'm still healing from the past that you know the worst choice I ever made in my life, the person I married, I'm still healing. And we're years later, we're still we're years, you know, beyond that. I'm still healing in some areas. I've healed a lot in other areas, but I'm still healing. I don't know when I'll be finished. And I still have to work on it. But um there I definitely triggers one for me and here's a big one was raising the voice. Now Shortly I share this shortly after I left that situation again. I was with somebody who was a rage, had a lot of rage, screaming, yelling, cursing, just really just just horrible. And so after I removed myself from that, I noticed immediately I was afraid of women. I was afraid of women. I was scared. I didn't, I was afraid that if I said or looked at them the wrong way, that it might you know, it might cause something. I hadn't, I just, I was totally, totally confused. And a big trigger was like, I had, you know, I was, uh, I was at an old girlfriend's place and I heard her neighbor yelling and screaming, you know, in an apartment complex. And immediately I, I didn't, I didn't want to have anything to do with that woman. She was a neighbor down below. And whenever I saw her, I didn't want to be around her because her, she would, everything was about yelling, screaming, cursing, things I had gotten out of my life and did not want to be in my space ever, no matter who it was. That was a big one, you know, women raising their voice. For me, I would just, I would cringe. You know, I would just turtle up because I don't want to have anything to do with that. Um,
1: I wonder if we can talk and I might be jumping the gun. So just tell me, but, so ultimately where talk about where it led, if you stay in a toxic relationship, whenever you know that, you know, this person has potential to be bad and you go ahead and marry them anyway,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, thinking you can save them.
2: Yep, um, rescuer, I was a rescuer.
1: The aftermath of that. So you had bought a home with this woman, gave her your business that you had before you got into the marriage, yep. um, you, how did that affect you? Where were you left in all of that? Oh, so you I, had given her everything.
2: Oh, it's I'm still healing. That's a great question. She <laughs> Shared anything? I'm still look. I'm still healing. Um, I did the American Dream. I was able to buy a, a home in Naples, Florida. I had a, a successful business that I was retiring from and gave that. It's what I do. It's not because I'm great. It was proper. You know the house. For the security of the business you know to help her flourish and you know, all that stuff but on successful. the back
1: side you were left
2: it the answer to the question it sucked it was a hor it was horrible um
1: he moved to I, arkansas it, it
2: totally Sorry. it made me feel what was the point i worked so hard the, the hardest battle i had with jason was what sam shared i worked so hard to acquire those things, and just like that, because of impermanence, they were gone. And now, and what was I left with? I was left with. I didn't have a, you know, I was, I wasn't, I didn't have a stable, uh, solid ground anymore. You know, um, wiped I wiped
1: out financially. Financially,
2: my finances started to tank. My, my, my reserves depleted. Um, everything, you know, my credit, um, sense of self, sense of self worth, all those things were just, you know, just crumbling because that life was no longer in existence.
1: And that life was no, it wasn't sustainable in the first place. So it was no. always bound to crumble. And it was so, for failure. Yeah. It was from the get go. So from my situation, I was always, I was financially stable because Honest, I actually, I don't know how I was financially stable because I came out of it just like he was, he was in charge of everything with the finances. He was on top of it. He was independent mm-hmm. and he ended up on the backside not have being able to have any of that Good. on the flip side. I was independent financially and I was lucky enough to be able to remain that way. I was able to immediately, as soon as I got out of that situation, get to a townhouse. And I, from there, I just kept on doing my thing into healing and into, um, recovery mode it took me over a year of just well actually I guess yeah anyway about a year of just solemnly being by myself just my dog and I well you came along somewhere um <laughs> so uh, so anyway um but yeah and then I in all honesty I really wasn't and we just talked about this a couple days ago we i was not prepared and not looking for anyone he goes i still remember your face whenever you came in first time i saw you i was like yeah that was the face of a person i didn't want a boyfriend
2: yep
1: <laughs> i said i wanted to be left alone
2: i don't blame her i don't i didn't blame her <laughs> and
1: then and then now here we are two year and a half years later It
2: was
0: like about 10 years so.
1: yeah so um anyway aaron probably has more questions
0: no so um I know for Jason, every situation is different, and I'm kind of somewhere in between both of you guys' situation because I'm exiting a marriage, Um, but for me, like finances and the things that we have or may have built together, I don't mind leaving all that stuff behind because I know that I can rebuild those things. I can duplicate those things. Those things are fleeting anyway, but... And I know it's harder for people not saying Jason did it, but if you build your identity off of those things that you accomplish in life, uh, when you have to give them up or or somebody else takes them from you, that can leave you not knowing who you are or what's next. Not again, i like, yeah, not saying that's what Jason did, but it can be very hurtful and painful. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was, you know,
2: you're, you're, you're you're spot
1: on. Yeah, it was
2: 5050. I I look, I knew what I wanted, knew what I didn't want. It was a matter of recalibrating, you know, to getting back to um, becoming centered within who I was. So that's a great point. Yep. No, that's, that's totally accurate.
1: Awesome. Yeah. I hadn't even thought of it that way. And I'm always the one that's like, don't put your identity in your work because your work can disappear, you know, and now I'm like, wow, that's exactly what happened.
2: It was comp- it was like compounding interest, so to speak. You understand what I mean. You know, right, you worked right. and you worked hard and put a, put you know put money away and you bought you know, bought something for an investment. You did you, those are the things you do. And when it's gone you have nothing to show for it. That's the point. That's what messes with you. Now we're all different. It messed with me, like I'm gonna tell you, substantially
0: mess with me. Right. So, Mm -hmm. like like for me a lot of friends and family are like so what about this or what about that and I'm like if it's gone then it's gone you know as long as we had we have three kids together and as long as my kids are good then I'm good as long as that's going to help sustain their way of living or what have you moving forward I'm fine with that again it's all materialistic things that I can reacquire uh later on in life it may take me time it may not take me time being in a healthier relationship where you can cultivate certain things, your wealth might come to you faster than it did when you were in a toxic relationship, because you're working against multiple things. You're working against the toxic person, in the relationship, you're working against society, you're working, you're, you're trying to build things up while holding so much weight on your shoulders. It's, it's harder for you to do. Now, when you yeah. have somebody that's helping you build that wealth together in a healthy, sustainable relationship, it may come better and faster for you. Um, But again, me and Jason were kind of in the same boat because one of my triggers, one of my biggest triggers is people yelling and screaming loud noises. And that's not just a trigger from my toxic relationships. It's a trigger from my childhood that cultivated in my toxic relationships as well. So even today, like I don't like loud noises. I don't like yelling. I don't, things like that just gets me unnerved. And people look at me people don't necessarily know it because I don't show it. But to me, it's funny because I was a fighter. So it's like, I can go in a ring or a cage against somebody that's trying to rip my head off, but like uh, a woman yelling or like kids yelling gives <laughs> me unnerved and it's like, how is that I But I know what it stems from and it's still hard for me to, to get rid of those triggers. Um, but I just try to find the best way to deal with it. I wanna add something, Aaron.
2: Whoever ends up watching this the be- here's the best I can give you and I and for years I battled it's not normal the masses of us have accepted that when you're in a relationship that the yelling the cursing screaming and all that stuff is normal no it's not the difference of opinion of views absolutely we need that because we're all ignorant sam knows things i don't know period right but if anything we take away from today's experience is this, this is the best I can give anyone. It's not normal. The problem that we enter into in a relationship, remember you see the guy getting yelled and screamed out by his wife or vice versa out in the store, what just out in a general setting. And you're thinking, my God, that poor guy or poor woman, the odds are they have accepted. And it's, it's, It's factual, that behavior, everything for me, I look for patterns of behavior and my own, okay. That pattern of behavior in the mass mass society is accepted, arguing, even the sitcoms we love and we get a kick out of, they're they're not real. They're based on, it's not normal, it's not normal, it's not. And the problem is you've got people who are in these, imprisoned camps for their lives for, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years with this same person calibrating in expressing that same type of accepted behavior, it's not normal. It's not normal to be constantly yelling, screaming, and cursing at someone, especially when it's someone you're supposed to love. Went through it myself, you went through it, Sansman. These are not, that's not normal. It's not normal to yell and scream and curse. This society has accepted that to be norm, not myself. Um, that's the best I can give you or anyone is just that one thing can have an enormous and enormous shift in someone's relationship, being aware, wait a minute, this isn't normal. No, you can speak and be gentle but you know, there's power and softness. There's a time and place, I'm a martial artist too, where, you know, to be, you know, hard in, in, in your face, but primarily it's more important to be soft, right. soft. You can get so much more done and it's not perfect and we, we fail, but, that accept the reality that just the way it is. No, it's not. So I think that for every single person like yourself and Sam, and I, for those of us who can lead by example, sometimes quietly, unless you're asked questions like, you know, what are you up to? We're helping to kind of,
1: Balance re, and, you know, yeah.
2: recalibrate that imbalance that's accepted that we've been through and we've, and for myself, battled. Is this really? I guess this
0: is just what marriage is. No, it's not. So. Right. Your thoughts on that one it actually makes people mad um because i'm I'm very quiet so uh even so if you yeah, have an excellent um, presence, thank you, I appreciate you so do you 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 and uh your partner Sam have amazing presence, but um <laughs> to be like so quiet and held back um when people are trying to argue with you or or trying to pull you out of character, it makes them even madder because they can't take you there. And because I know myself and I know my triggers, it's easy for me to combat that. Because you can see when somebody's trying to pull you out of character, or when somebody's really hurting and they're just trying to hurt you. Um, and when they can't hurt you, they just say more hurtful things or do more hurtful things in order to still try to pull you out of character. So yeah. for me, it it makes people upset. To like I was saying before, like when I'm I'm very optimistic as well. And that makes people mad too it's like why why are you this person like why are you so centered why are you so happy why are you optimistic why aren't you yelling back at me like i can't even necessarily raise my voice the only time that i may raise my voice is like if i'm trying to get my kids attention and that's not (laughs) in in an aggressive manner but you know i can't yell and scream it's just not in me in in order to to do that
1: i love that pulling you out of character i didn't realize and actually till this just moment that that's what my previous relationship uh, did so much and wanted and he, Oh, I always felt like he was just instigating and trying to get me to yell at him. And I would always cave every single time because I was already out of balance. How could I be in balance with that kind of relationship constantly all all on my shoulders and on my back. So um, it's so important now that I, I've been trying to work on being balanced and all of that with everything that's going on in life. It you it's I've realized that it's easy to get off balance and it can happen quick.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then you have to spend it may happen in a matter of 30 minutes that you're got off balance and then you have to go spend 3 or 4 hours to get realigned.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so that's
1: just my own personal experience.
0: Yeah, um hopefully If we have uh, toxic people that happen to listen to this, they start to change their ways. But that's one thing that I used to do personally. If I feel like then I'm losing an argument or I'm looking like the bad guy, uh, doing subtle things to pull people out of character so they start attacking me, which makes them the bad guy, which makes them have to apologize to me, which turns the whole situation around. So and again, like I'm not the yelling type, but it's just a little subtle things you do when you're with somebody for a long period of time, or when you're just aware of the people around you, you, you can see the things that would be a trigger to them or the things that will pull them out of character, the things that get to them. Um, just little subtle things such as not answering a question in a timely manner and, and things like that, or like you said before, Sam, like uh, somebody's sighing or taking a deep breath that can trigger people. And when you start mm-hmm. to learn people's triggers, um, you can manipulate a, si- a situation to be more into your benefit.
1: I'm so glad you're not on the dark side anymore. You are dangerous.
0: <laughs> I, I am too, but I'm glad that I experienced it because I, I'm able to help people who are toxic and don't even realize that they're toxic because some people yeah. are toxic and don't realize that they are. Um, and you can point some of those things out to them. But unfortunately, the only time people change is when they want to change. Just because you have the knowledge to help them and to change doesn't mean that they're going to change. Right. But I, I'm grateful and uh, humble for every experience that I went through in life to be in the place that I am now and able to help people through each and every situation that I've been through myself. I
1: love that. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, it's a power of contrast,
2: power of contrast. It's definitely character building. And if we're We do the work later on, once we've healed up enough, we can definitely without rescuing, trying to rescue, lead by example and genuinely help people to become better versions of themselves.
0: That's one of the things that I had to learn myself. um, When I started on the journey of being a life coach, uh, trying not to be a rescuer um, and just by example and letting people see and come to you for advice instead of going to people like, oh, I, I noticed that you do this and you shouldn't do it that way because this is affecting this person. And they're looking at you like, well, I didn't ask you for your advice. I didn't, I didn't ask you for <laughs> any of that. And it's yep. like, well, I'm just trying to help you out. You know, I'm trying to make your situation- change, to... doesn't it? It yeah. stings.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I it's just like, want to help. Yeah. You're, inter- you're, yeah. you're interfering with nature.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's so a hard one. What, what advice would you guys give people in a toxic relationship? I mean, besides get out, um, what other sound advice would you give uh, somebody if you if you came across somebody in a toxic relationship?
1: I would be encouraged to see if they could identify any of the things in their relationship that are toxic that they don't necessarily like. So I would just if I had someone right now, I would just say, well, most likely they've already told me a thing or two. So I would ask them, well, is that how you would like it to be in a relationship? Is this um, normal? Do you feel like you're growing whenever you talk to them? Um, Whenever he's doing this particular thing to you, how do you feel afterward? You know, what is the um, narrative in your head? Do you feel like it's your fault all the time? You know, that's what I would say, you know, because like you're talking about spinning it around, I always felt like I was just walking in circles and never getting anywhere because I had exhausted myself, man. I remember hours and hours of talks and talks with, but with the uh, last one that was like, okay, well, we're going to do better. And, you know, he would go on and on to the point where I was just exhausted. And at the end, there was no conversation that we didn't really get anywhere. So that's why I would ask the person, you know, well, is he willing to talk or, or she, are they willing to talk with you, um, about this, you know, um, and, If they're not, then I think that's your answer. And then if they had, sorry, if they had, um, you know, more engaging things to talk to me about, I would always kind of move that conversation to, like you said, it let's see about getting out. What would be your steps to doing that? And do you have enough solid evidence to see that you do need to get out, or is this something that can be saved?
2: Great points. I'll respond a little different because um, that was excellent, excellent uh, points. So the question is what
1: would I. Sh- what would you tell someone in a
2: toxic relationship? Yeah, what would I. To to get out of it? Yeah, like what kind of advice would you give yeah. somebody? Okay. Um, I'm not, not a big fan of giving advice. And again, unless someone says, Jason, you know, well, what do you think? Are. But, you know, because <laughs> of discussion, let me say for discussion what we're doing here now. Here's my take, I would I would I would offer this pay attention to pay attention to heavy or light. So in other words, in healthy healing situations, you feel lighter and more alive and more open. So in your heart, I I would say, this is an exercise in self awareness, which is for me is what you want to pinpoint it's not about the externals and people places things They actually have zero zero to do with anything. It's this. So pay attention to heavy. Uh, when you're in a situation with the other person, or do, you know that encounter, do you feel heavy? Or do you feel light? Or do you feel tense? Or do you feel, are you at ease? Heavy or light? My point is, that if you start asking that kind of a question in your situation, it'll cut through a lot of all the abstract and intellectual stuff. And it's going to get right to the, look, it's about heart and soul, ain't it? This stuff here is just a facade, the colors and all this stuff. It's what's this, you know, this here. So whenever you're feeling heavy and you're, you know, you you feel heavy and you're 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 tense and you're you're just you're frustrated. Those are the cues that something's not flowing. There's more to if it's not flowing, you know, there's more to, to to learn. Those are your cues, aren't they? Just to keep it simple and really to to kind of expedite potentially. Shifting, away, shifting into something elevated. How do I feel right now? What? How did that encounter make me feel? Do I feel like a better person? Do I feel inspired? Do I feel closer, or do I feel like I want to retreat? Does my heart? Am I? Am I? Does my heart? You know, cry? Do I feel heavy? Do I feel weighted down? So, if I pay attention to that, and I, myself included, if I pay attention to those those moments in my day where I feel lighter or heavier. That helps me to readjust,
0: does that make sense? yeah I, I mean, so for me i under, I understand exactly what you're saying, uh, and i i I hope people can start to gain self awareness to to understand that for themselves as well, um, but some people never reach that, some people don't know how to reach. It. they feel like when you feel like that is unreachable, then you don't strive for it um so yeah. I think it's hard for people to reach self-awareness to understand what they're actually feeling in their body, what situations make how situations make them feel and things like that. But I think that is amazing advice. Uh, Again, the only time people may really understand that is when they use the term walking on eggshells and things like that, because you you tense up in certain situations uh, when you're around certain people or, or in certain environments and things like that. Um, One thing that I, one thing that I do now, because again, people don't really like advice, but people like to give advice. So if, you know, if me and you, Jason talked all the time and I felt like that you were in a toxic relationship or even a toxic friendship, uh, I wouldn't tell you at the same time that we talked, but I would tell you like the next time we talk, but I will frame it as in a situation that I'm in because you see the situation better when you're looking at somebody else's situation and you're able to give me advice. So if I'm like, you know, my friend is always calling me for money, always asking me to drive him here or there, or, you know, my partner doesn't work and and, you know, she's spending a savings account. And you're like, well, I feel like that that's a situation that you need to really address. And I could be like, well, what, what should I do to address that situation? And you can give me advice, a list of 10 things. And then I would be like, okay. well, Jason, that's, your situation. This isn't my situation. This is exactly the situation that you're in, and I just wanted you to see it from the outside looking in, because when you're in the situation, it's hard for you to accept that you're in the situation. Just like they see, they say you can't see the forest when you're in the middle of the trees. I like that technique, right? I like and it. You know, some people <laughs> get mad because it's, it's deceptive, but at the same time, it's helping them look at a problem from the outside of the problem and not the inside of the problem, because it's it's harder to overcome a problem when you're in the middle of it it's so much easier yeah, right. yeah if you can see the maze from the outside of the maze it's easier for you to find your way out if you're in the middle Very of it. interesting. right so that that's one of the ways that I, I try to help people without giving them necessarily advice i let them give me advice to fix their own situation and then let them know that they're helping themselves fix their own situation instead of asking people questions because that gets people frustrated as well. So like, if you come to me with a problem yeah, and you're like, you know, uh, Sam doesn't listen to me or Jason doesn't listen to me. And it's like, well, what do you think you should do? And then, you know, they're like, well, I'm asking you what I should do. So people (laughs) kind of get mad when you ask them questions to answer their own questions. So if you give them the scenario that they're in, but from your perspective, something that you're in, then people are quick to, to solve your problem for you but we're not equipped so quick to solve our own problems. Yeah, that's pretty cool.
2: <laughs> I'm not usually a big fan of anything deception, even in martial arts. I'm, I go out on my way to not be deceptive just because, you know, it can be extremely devastating.
0: <laughs> right, right.
2: So, but no, I,
0: yeah, I, that's pretty cool. Well- We and, just
1: learned something.
0: <laughs> well, I, I'll say- <laughs> it, it, In martial arts, before I left Philly, I was going to uh, one of of the guys that my brother trained with, and he has a Taekwondo school. And for people that know Taekwondo or don't know Taekwondo, they throw a lot of kicks. So it's hard to get around the kicks. But I was explaining to one of the other guys that was there, you have to throw a lot of feints, which is deceptive. It makes you look like you're going to throw a punch or a kick in order to get them to react. And that's the only way that you could get in, because if you go straight forward, there's no way that you could get in. So being deceptive in martial arts, uh, and the benefit to not get hit is, is a good thing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: I my my
2: my point was more just a uh, non-physical, combative right. type verbal. I prefer not to be deceptive because I'm a pain in the butt. Um, even when it might have been beneficial. Um, I'm, I'm kind of you know, fr- I'm um, what's what I would say I'm kind of stubborn. But I get it. It's pretty cool. You're um...
1: I would like to change my answer from the beginning, but I don't have anything to change it to after <laughs> I hear you two wise guys talking.
2: No, I, uh, I I really don't know much. I really don't, and i'm I'm cool with that because I studied ferociously for many, many years, decades to get to the stage where I, I really stopped searching and started, I learned to more, to apply more. That's another big one, you know, relationships and toxicity stuff. Cause I, you know, there's things that I do not on purpose that are toxic. You see that's, that is directly, sincerely expressing the fact that, you know, I have work to do so that diminishes my ego. Right. I do things that are toxic. I don't, and I work on it every day as part of my warrior's code. But um, yeah, not everybody is at the level to where they can feel their way out of it, which I love the point you made, which is good to kind of complement what we're all sharing combined, you know, the, the, the harmonizing. Not everybody, nobody knows how to feel. Let's face it, we don't even know. Our, our emotions were never dealt with from the time we were born. We weren't trained. We had to go out and, and learn on our own through a lot of pain, right? So the emotional, the emotional part of a to- of a relationship that turns into toxic is because the emotional part of our being was never dealt with, was never, you know, uh, was never focused on, you know, we just re- we're always reacting. We never had enough self-discipline to learn to respond, which is different than reacting to everything, right? right. There's a huge difference. So in toxic relationships, I don't. I don't know that any of us really know the have all the we don't have all the answers but you know
1: we can share our experiences and hope that someone can grasp enough to be like okay i need to make a change here
2: i think probably the greatest gift that we all three were giving was the pain that we endured to get to where we're at right now in this moment because we made it and we're here we're not perfect we may still be healing but look we have been given the capacity to help others not rescue um because we did we did the work we did the work sam did the work in order for me to show up in her life aaron did the work he had to do to dissolve to, to dissolve to evolve what you're working towards right now so we have my feeling is we've been giving a tremendous amount of, of gifts to give away You know, it's that whole, that phrase, don't die with your music in you. And that's been kind of resonating with me, you know, get it out before you can't. Get to the stage where it's not about you anymore, which is very freeing. It's very liberating. It's not about you. It's not about me anymore. Um, So, yeah, I think if we can do anything to get somebody in a a situation that we've been in a prison in this, you know, relationship, hell, this prison, if there's one thing that any of us could do to help that person to kind of. Further along towards removing themselves, then we've done. Then we've done. We've done all we can, and I'm honored. I'd be grateful. You know, Aaron, because of you, you helped me to. You inspire me to get, leave that destructive person. Thank you. It's beautiful because of something you. Your pain, I was able to turn into peace. You see how it all intertwines. The the amount of of just overwhelming fear that we go through trying to leave somebody or a situation like that. And maybe we're that person that is a toxic one. It's one or the other. You know, when does a sinner become the saint? So the fear that we have to learn to redirect, it's not easy. It's not fun. It sucks. But uh, whatever else you want to add, but, you know, you know, those those are that's pretty big one.
0: Right. So that that um, leads me to pretty much my last question. Um, Besides leaving the relationship, like how did you begin to heal? Like what or what do you do on a daily basis to heal? Because I know you guys, we have to heal as individuals as well as if we're in a relationship, we have to heal inside of the relationship as well. But what do you guys do as individuals to heal yourselves? That's that's an awesome question
1: whenever I was, so I was, this is sounds nuts. Uh, in the previous, uh, podcast, we discussed that I stayed, I had put a down payment on that house, which it was a, it was a rental, but I still had to do the pause and stuff like that. And, um, I was, I was riding that out till cause I was like, man, I just paid all this money. And now we just broke up a month after being here. Like I'm not going to just go move somewhere else now. Obviously I couldn't have. So we were roommates, um, for a while. So in order to heal in that same environment that I was now trying to get out of, but I was still technically in, but now his, he didn't really, wasn't as much of a component. Um, I went outside. I, a lot and that I went with nature and uh, my dog and I would go on walks and That's how I was able to promote the healing. But mind you, as long as you're in that environment in any kind of capacity, the amount of healing you're going to do is going to be slow. Because even if you see that person, it's instant. You know, you start having to put your guard up, you're aware. I mean, my biggest advice would be, do as much healing as you can while you're there and you can't get out, but realize that you're not going to make strides. You know, it's just not, you're not wired that way. So the quicker that you can go ahead and release yourself from that, the better you're going to be able to make, you know, um, you'll level up as <laughs> you're quicker if you're out of it and not having to deal with that person at all. I remember, um, this friend of mine back in the day, she had a relationship with someone that, um, they had dogs together and they were treating their dogs as kids, which is perfect. We obviously do that, but they were given visitation rights. So every other weekend they would rotate the dogs. Well, (laughs) (laughs) what kind of healing are you really doing? And why are you doing that for the dogs that my, my, as soon as I left the situation, my dog kind of forgot all that, who that was and didn't want anything to do with them. Whenever I'm like, they have been your parents since, you know, and now you're just totally like, I don't care. Cause she knew that mama, you got to get out of here, you know? So, um, so just think about those little things that you may be doing to add on the pain and keep on, pre- uh, that's preventing the healing.
2: Yeah, great points. I think removal.
1: Unfortunately, Re- you said not to think about that, well, but that's all we got.
2: Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> Look, in the end, in the end, removal, removing yourself for myself. I started my life over. I didn't run away. I ran towards a blank canvas, which I called it. I moved to a totally foreign state, knew one person, did not attach to any outcomes. That got me out of my emotional and into my growth mode because I was challenging my, I I love Batman. I love Batman for one primary reason, because he embraces fears. And it may sound corny, but not really. I didn't get chills thinking about it because it's how powerful it was. I embraced my fears, therefore I became fearless of the unknown, Batman.
1: And that's huge.
2: So that gave me all, I was totally totally in a different realm of self-discovery because I, create, I was creating this new path because I removed myself from that situation, here's the point. It, you know, those of us who you can go to therapy, you can counsel each, yourselves, each other in this toxic situation, this environment for the rest of your life, mm-hmm. and nothing will change. Why? Because the absence of removal. You must remove yourself because, you know, we're all calibrating at different levels of awareness. So, it will never change. There will never be a shift of both a calibrate. If you're staying in cal- something that's calibrating so exponentially low where all these, you know, low vibrational fear and anger and hate and all this destructive stuff, you won't ever, you won't ever escape it unless you physically, you have to physically, you can't emotionally, cause this is where you get in trouble. You physically have to remove yourself from that, from that space. So in other words, people use them in the manipulation Well, you left this over, we've all been through it and it works, doesn't it? All oh, Jason, you left, you left your jeans at my house. <laughs> so you go over and, you, and guess what? Two months later, you're still together, right? You gotta remove, we, we have to remove ourselves and keep moving forward, keep moving forward. For me, I started my life over. I challenged myself at the most intimate levels, went through more hardship and pain, um, but I, I re, I removed myself from a situation, and I embraced my I embraced my fears. So again, Batman. I Batmaned it because once I did that, <laughs> it was extremely it, it it took care of me,
1: and you'll find once you pull yourself out of this kind of relationship, you do kind of get this fearless feeling because what else? like you can you've done it all. You know, Jason went through um some a medical issue. Three months ago, and I had someone say to me, Wow, don't you feel like you can just do anything now that you helped someone through that? And I'm like, No, I never even thought of it that way. But when I started to translate that, I was like, You know, I almost lost my best friend. Like, yeah, you know, maybe. I mean we can, you know, what else is there? You know, not that I'm challenging that by any means, but you do kind of grow this confidence and put the ego aside, but it's this confidence in knowing that everything worked out, you know, and even God forsake something had happened where he didn't pull out of it. Things would have been okay. Yeah. And that's what's huge is, you know, you've. some people can't say this, but I've been fortunate enough to where I've always had a roof over my head. I've always you know, had food in my stomach. So ideally you will be able to what did, what was the thing we heard the other day? Like we made it because we're still here, like whatever oh, you've I, gone through, you're still here. So. I, lo-
2: I love that one. Yeah. yeah, you ask yourself, look, take everything that we've been through thus every everything, all of it collectively. We're still here. Yeah. A lot of times I would remind Jason, look, dude, you're still here. It's very Like it's,
1: you've been through all of this stuff and, and you thought you thought you weren't gonna make it. Hello. Almost
2: didn't still <laughs> we're still we're here. We're still here. Doesn't that mean that we have a shot? Doesn't that mean that we can change? Doesn't mean we have the capacity to further? Of, absolutely. Absolutely. Will everyone go through will ever get to that stage? No. Most of us are basically just running around on autopilot, myself included a lot. Gotta be careful of that. So um no, what Sam said was spot on. Yeah, it because was spot on too. Yeah, you know, I Back I know Aaron. little things, but <laughs> um yeah, Aaron, you're in charge, so <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean I uh, I'm not going to steal your phrase Batman did, but that that's also awesome. No, please do. <laughs> Listen, that was
2: Let me let me Sorry. tell you there's a moment in Batman Begins and I I absolutely I'm going to nerd out and I'm not going to apologize. I adore and I can feel it from the fiber of my being. It's like Bruce Lee talked about the inexting, that inextinguishable flame, that certain thing that you once you get it man, you can just you can just move mountains. He, Batman he he was you know he was afraid of them and they became he became batman because he he embraced his fears right you embrace your fears you you journey into the unknown everything is 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 unknown even the known becomes unknown because it it's always changing wonder woman
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, there's,
2: and there's wonder woman
1: we're a bunch but, of nerds <laughs>
2: but look embrace your fears that's that's that is the catalyst the key that will unlock the ability for you to heal, but you have to embrace your fear. I embraced my moments. I embraced it, you know, finally, and I was able to push through that threshold and and I was free. I I was free. I was free. Sam was free. Um, You
1: become untouchable, but you have to allow yourself to
2: be. (laughs) Because the life will come back yeah. and touch you again.
1: Yeah, it will. Even if so. you're highly
2: trained like Aaron. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. You want to be part of the untouchables, but you have to realize that you'll be knocked off your pedestal as soon as you start feeling untouchable. Absolutely. <laughs> a little bit of humbling comes along.
0: Well, I, I feel like I, I kind of, and I don't know if this is bad, but I look at everything in life as a test. And um, and being in sports and being in combat sports and being in martial arts, I know those are some of the biggest physical tests that you can go through. But um, for me, even leaving a situation, I know that my body as well as my mentality is gonna go through withdrawal, no matter what situation you're leaving. Uh, And you just have to be prepared for that because our brains are wired to find all the bad things in order to protect us. But when we leave situations where we had loved somebody, our brain kind of picks up all the positive things And like you said, trying to make them be the best person that you know that they can be. Uh, When you met a person that's kind of like their representative and they tell you all the good things that you want to hear and they do all the good things. And this person is amazing. And then things make a left turn and you're like, all I got to make two more lefts and be back on track. And it it never works that way. Like, um, but for me, cultivating and understanding how to let go of situations and things um, detaching myself emotionally from um, I'll say uh, not going on topic but it's on topic in my childhood I experienced a lot that I felt like was uh, troubling to my mentality so I learned how to detach mentally and emotionally from certain situations and later on in life I was able to use that when I'm in situations that I know can break certain people, I can detach emotionally from that situation in order to look at the situation from from the outside to fix myself internally. Uh, And then I can add back the emotion because I never want to hate anybody or anything. So if I feel like that my feelings or emotions are leaning towards hatred or pain, I detach from it in order to meditate and work through that situation. So those ideas and thoughts never come into my mind because that can lead you down a dark path. Um, So yes, leaving the situation physically is something that we need to do, but also mentally and spiritually um, is something that you have to learn how to detach from. But um, I, I can't really talk anybody through how to detach mentally, spiritually, or emotionally. Um, because everybody's different and work we're, yeah. we're, right. isn't necessarily going to work for everybody else um and the you know when they're
1: going to that... been... oh. go ahead oh i'm sorry i think there was a little bit of a lag so i thought you were done um i will say there's been times where i've emotionally detached too soon mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. potentially missed out if missed out on you know a, a good healthy relationship because i was done you know and and there was a minor reason to be done. So that's why it's important to explore all your options and make sure that, okay, is this really bad enough to where I have to leave? Or is it just me overreacting and wanting to detach because I feel like this might be bad or it might hurt me in the end. I think that's what i spent a lot of my time doing as a defense mechanism of, okay, well, I'm done, I'm out. You know, instead of investigating further that might be worthwhile.
0: Yeah, like, like Jason said earlier, he's a thinker, and if he's a thinker, I'm an overthinker because I I overthink every situation. Analysis, you
2: know what it is? Yeah. Analysis through paralysis.
0: Paralysis through analysis. This guy. If I'm in conversation, I overthink it's the conversation. It's I too about- heavy up here. Yeah. It's too yeah. heavy.
2: We got to top it down.
0: yeah it's like uh every scenario you try to map everything out if the person does this i'm gonna do this if i do this and they do this i'm gonna do that you
1: try to be five steps ahead and it's unless you're playing
2: unless you're playing chess forget it right (laughs) (laughs) forget it (laughs) okay
0: so um uh we're bringing things to an end now we're closing things out um unless you guys have any other questions or closing statements um if you guys have a business that you guys want to promote uh facebook or instagram page anything like that
2: i did i want to say how proud i am of you i I am proud of you and i'm i'm grateful that you gave us the experience the chance to do this this is the first time i've actually done this um i'm second time yeah show off (laughs) (laughs) i'm really proud of you um for you know you didn't think about it you've created you've made this happen so power of you know thoughts becoming things so Thank you for what you're doing. And um, I'll let Sam, I mean, for business wise, I have something that I started again. I have a couple of things like yourself and Sam. We're all kind of working on a couple of different things, looks like. Um, I'll let Sam go first.
1: Oh, okay. Um, well, I have created this business called SOAR, which is basically going to be about toxic relationships or is about toxic relationships and just um, working on a couple of books to further the conversation of am I in a toxic relationship how do I get out what do I do when I'm out um so my Instagram is set yourself free with two underscores um and then my Facebook is soar s-o-a-r um the idea is to set yourself free so you can soar. I don't need to go into more detail but yeah I was going to go on a tangent
2: <laughs> I'm very proud of her uh myself um one thing that I've it's I create. I was able to create years ago back when I was in Florida. Uh, involved Tai Chi. Um, not to get too much into that right now because I know extremely very 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 little. But um, I'm working on something that I want. Uh, basically, wanting to kind of mold and hybrid all my collective studies and all the things that I've done that 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 I want to be able to assist. I like the word assist over te- you know. Life coaching bothered me because I felt like, who am I to tell you how to live your life? <laughs> so, right. you know, I, I had a little fun, but no, I, I'm working on something which the prototype name is going to be Soaring Eagle Consulting, Consulting, Soaring Eagle Consulting, something like that. It's not permanent. I'm working on it, but it's going to encapsulate everything that's self cultivation, self improvement, self healing, self awareness. It'll embody Tai Chi concepts, you know, some little bit of form work, just anything that's that can assist somebody to help them to heal themselves.
1: And currently and then
2: currently I'm working on that's um, uh, it's my website is Jason W Harris dot we are legal shield And that is offering two essential services, life issue services regarding access to the legal system and identity theft restoration when it gets stolen so those are the those are the couple of things that i'm working on
1: yeah it's identity theft protection and restoration, restoration. it's a complete That's
2: package yeah. it's uh, uh shield.com
0: okay definitely i'm gonna uh, get you guys emails and other information to put in the show notes uh, just in case nobody yeah. didn't write that down and they could just click on the link and it should take them right to you guys and I appreciate you, Jason. I appreciate you coming on and being very open and honest about the situation that you went through. Um, and sure. I'm be honest; it took me a while to uh, start my podcast um, because, again, I'm a thinker. I was thinking of everything that I could do and should do, and right, right. On the <laughs> and then you know, three months later, I'm like, "Well, I didn't even do a show yet." So, um, <laughs> so, but I am grateful that I was able to start the show, and I'm grateful. Yeah. For it you guys coming on and just being able to share your experience um i definitely want to have you guys back on again if not together uh separately uh especially when you guys get your businesses up and running to the point that you uh want it or need it to be um and then we could just get that information out to everybody and you can start helping people to the best of your abilities um but again i appreciate you guys and um hopefully some people find value in the things that we talked about on this episode. Um, and hopefully the conversation is out there where people feel comfortable enough to um, exit their toxic relationships or stop being the toxic one in their relationships.
2: Yes, sir. Thank you so much, Aaron. Thank you very Thank much. You. Um right. we, you, love, we love you,
0: buddy. And uh, look,
2: I'm pro- you, you did it. You're on your way. It's one step closer.
0: Thank you. I appreciate y'all. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Enlightenment Moment. I appreciate all my listeners and supporters of this podcast. I hope you left this episode just a little more enlightened. Catch another moment such as this one next week. As always, to jumpstart your weekend.